breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One seven FM, 710 Keel, and on the free Keel app, Mike and McCarty in studio with Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault uh, one day after your State of the City address. Good morning, first of all. Thanks for coming out. Good morning. My pleasure. Thanks for having we me. We appreciate you being here. I love your hat, by the way. <laughs> Don't put it down. You'll steal it. No. <laughs> Oh, I've got my own. Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, just give us a, a quick summary on uh, on your State of the City address. Things are looking good. Well, I think things are are looking good. We, we're uh, fortunately uh, we are in pretty good shape financially. Um, the the we did have a, a bit of a surprise in terms of the auditors reclassifying some uh, data to. to Reduce our um, our operating reserve by thirty two point five million dollars, but uh, we still ended up the year. We should end up the year somewhere around twenty five million dollars in operating reserve, and uh, the based on the budget that the council has passed, we should end twenty twenty four with about twenty two and a half million dollars, which is very important because we are so dependent on sales tax. For our uh, for our operating budget, so if sales tax dri- uh, drops, then we essentially dip into that operating reserve because of the way that we appropriate money. You you do say in your report, because um, I read it, I do read some of this stuff that you still don't think that's adequate. You still would like it to be higher. I'd like it to be a little higher, I, and and I really would have liked to have. Uh, a current year balanced budget, meaning we will not spend more in 2024 than we take in in 2024. Mm-hmm. When you talk about a balanced budget, you start with your operating reserve, you add your revenues, and well, you that's subtract. a novel idea for government. <laughs> well, it it is just very important that we maintain that uh, maintain that reserve because we are, uh, you know, we're uh, we're subject to sales tax. I know you were talking about the drop in casino revenues. Mm-hmm. If we have a, a drop like that in our sales tax, uh, it would be very serious financially for the city in the absence of some kind of a really serious uh, operating reserve, which is why we perceive that. When you talk about sales tax, one of the things, one of the statements you made was about uh, it's, it's difficult and cumbersome to do business in and with the city of Shreveport. How do you plan to address that? Uh, I have appointed a small business task force that's chaired by the the uh, president of the Shreveport Chamber of Commerce uh, to examine how we do business, how permits happen, how zoning entitlements happen. Uh, they're going to examine that with a group called the Institutes of Justice who have done this kind of work for cities like Fort Worth and uh, recommend Things, what I anticipate is recommend streamline, streamlining the online application process and just seeing what the things are that, that we could do to make it easier to do business both with the city of Shreveport and in the city of Shreveport. Mm-hmm. What do you see, Mayor Arsenault, as the, let's just say, three biggest hurdles ahead for you? I, I think reinvestment in uh, in our infrastructure, which is what the bond issue proposal is aimed at, uh, compliance and some relief, uh, time relief in particular from the water and sewer consent decree, um, and uh, the perception of, of crime and the actual uh, number of homicides in the city. Those are the three areas. We have a fair amount of control over two of those things and very little control over the third one. With regard to crime, we have, we've heard the council, we've heard the chief, we've heard you say we're going to do everything we possibly can to, to fight crime. Is there any one thing that we can do differently? Can we change our manpower structure? Can we 
uh, you know, we all say we want more police, but we just can't seem to find them. Is there one thing that you hope we can do different this year to address that? I think we're doing some things differently. I, I, I do think that bringing online uh, the more than 1,300 uh, camera feeds to the real-time crime center, that is having a real impact on both prevention and, uh, and uh, apprehension of people. And I, I can't really go into that, but I know of specific instances where really the real-time crime center was responsible for the leads that led to arrests. Uh, we also have invested in drones, and the drones were used. Uh, drones were used, for example, in the, with the Mardi Gras parades, and they were able to identify gatherings of people that might result in some kind of violence or disturbance or things like that. So, uh, being able to use equipment, because prior to drones, you either had to have a uh, a stand. Uh, where a police officer would be observing and, and can't observe that stand can't be as high as a drone is, mm-hmm. so you, you you end up with that. And then the second, uh, yeah, the plus second, he's limited; he's unable to move. And I mean, correct, that's right. And the drones can move. Uh, we made effective use of the drones for the Mardi Gras parades, which resulted in a safer Mardi Gras parade environment. And we'll be able to use that in. Uh, How we'll many drones do we have? I believe we have 13. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And they, they, they're everything from little ones to big ones. The, the, the cameras on those drones are amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen some demonstrations. And, of course, they're, well, they, they cover a very wide area because they could be up higher. So it really works. It really works very well. We're talking with Mayor Tom Arsenault uh, following up on your State of the City address. Can you hold on with us through the break? You bet. Absolutely. We'll be back after this. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM, 710keel.com. From Mike and McCarty on 101.7 FM and 710 Keel. In studio with Shreveport Mayor Tom Arsenault. Tom, I want to go back to crime for just a moment because... When people think of crime, homicide rate seems to be the first thing people think of. Right. But there are there are other factors, and and it and it it's not as bad as people might think. I think that's right. Uh, assaults and some other violent. Actually, the total of violent crime is down rather than up. But I think people tend to use the the number of homicides kind of as a barometer for crime. And uh, I and I understand that they do that, and uh, but but we need to see the total picture. And I, I think on some of these other issues, apprehension, uh, follow up with the with the police. Those are those are things that I think make a bigger difference in terms of the overall crime rate and what really affects people in their homes. Or do you? We we've heard and we asked Chief Smith while he was here the other day. Um, everybody keeps sending us messages that he's retiring in March, he's retiring in April. Are you confident that you have him, you know, at least through this year? He and I have not had any discussions whatsoever uh, about any kind of retirement. So I'm I'm assuming I have my police chief for the foreseeable future. Okay. Let's talk about, we asked you about hurdles Shreveport's facing. What are some of the great things happening in Shreveport that would want, make people want to come here or stay here? Well, I, I think first and foremost is our people. We have a ready workforce. We have we have optimistic people that I hope are becoming more optimistic uh, about who we are. We we are a great size of city in that we have we are large enough uh, with the, the metropolitan area to have things uh, that a, a a major city would have. A symphony, opera, music, culture, uh, wonderful restaurants those kinds of things. And we have a ready workforce. So we have people who are ready, willing, and able to go to work. And they're going to be going to work at, at Amazon and, uh, and SLB and, and those places that are coming in. I think I'm, I'm very optimistic about the impact that G-Unit is going to have uh, on really, you know, part of the reason that is a game changer is that it's bringing back kind of has a the potential and I think will bring back kind of a whole new industry. So that's why it's a game changer because it's a, what they would call it in economics and call a disruptor in, in that it changes the, 
the direction that you're going and opens up an entirely new area, not just an employer, but a whole array of employers for the city. So I think 2024 is going to be a very good year. There is kind of an elephant in the room, and we get messages about it. You hear it about it all the time, too, about um, your relationship with the council and how you guys can work together. There was a mention from former Councilman Green the other day saying that if Adrian Perkins was sitting in that seat, we would never even consider a $250 million bond issue. How do we do better at working together? What are you, are you planning to try to do something different? I, I try and work with each council member individually and build a relationship. And I actually think we have a, we have a good relationship. Uh, we, I have a good relationship with virtually everybody on the council. Uh, we have different opinions and, uh, and that's why we have the kind of government that we have. We ought to have different opinions to, to come to, to, to four. The, uh, for example, the, uh, there were a number of issues raised about the bond issue and technical mm-hmm. issues, and, and we'll be responding to that this morning with a concrete proposal that addresses the concerns that the council raised, and we're happy to address those concerns. We do better when we are communicating with each other, and sometimes that communication is a little rough, but we get through it. Councilman Butcher to Council Chair, former Chair Green to Tabitha Taylor are all calling for a project manager as we move into the, the, the bond proposal that you hope to put on the ballot in April. Um, it seems like you're very agreeable to that, but there are some projects that um, wouldn't come under that. Is there kind of some that are too big? To, that They need their own project manager? Is that where we are? Well, I, I, I think... I think you can have a project manager. Remember, we're not going to do all of these at the same time. Right. You know, they'll come in tranches. Uh, and, and yeah, so, some of them 13 years from now. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ho- hopefully they'll all be done well before that. Uh, and, but, low but, blow. Uh, I, I had already agreed to the, the concept yeah. of a project manager. So they, they wanted something a little bit more concrete than that. And so we're going to give them a proposal for that today at 1030. A ticker on the website, perhaps, so I can watch what's yes. going on? Yes, ah. absolutely. We're committing, we're committing to that and committing to quarterly reports and committing to a project manager. Sweet. You mentioned Amazon a moment ago, and, and I do want to focus on a little bit on some positive things that are happening. Uh, Amazon, are they hiring now and, and beginning training as and, i understand they're hiring as i understand that they're hiring hiring and training and i don't know for what positions that is but that is a clear sign that they're you know they're trying to get up and ready to go are they in open communications with your office we don't we don't talk to them very often they send us some status reports mm-hmm. uh from time to time and i haven't talked to them since this latest news okay but that's but, exciting news uh, one, one more thing put your financial hat back on because I know Caddo Parish has reacted. Um, State Rep. Danny McCormick is proposing doing away with sales tax on groceries that the municipalities charge. So Sid, the city of Shreveport, Caddo Parish would no longer get a sales tax on groceries. That could be a big hit. It would be a big hit. I think what a lot of people need to understand is how we got to where we are with sales taxes. There was a time when government was primarily, local government was primarily supported by property taxes, not sales taxes. And then uh, people, primarily people on the right, um, said, well, not everybody pays property taxes, so we want to go to sales taxes. Well, now 64% of our operating budget comes from sales taxes. So on the one hand, you push us toward a tax, and then you take that tax away. Uh, it, it really will create some serious issues for us. Appreciate you coming in, Mayor Tom. My Arsenault. pleasure. Thank you for having you me. You bet. Thank you so much. Coming up at 740, uh, Agricultural Commissioner Mike Strain going to join us, talking about the state's crawfish situation. 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Let's get back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Price of crawfish not coming down fast enough for a lot of people. We're going to talk with Louisiana Agricultural Commissioner Mike Strain and see how we're going to be looking, especially as we get ready to approach Mudbug Madness here in a few weeks. 
Uh, that's coming up right after the break. Mike and McCarty. 1017 FM, 710keel.com. Breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarthy on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. Louisiana Agricultural Commissioner Mike Strain on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning. Uh, Commissioner, good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? We are wonderful. Thank you for asking. I've We got a message a few days ago that... Uh, Crawfish farmers, of course, suffering from the major drought that happened over the summer, but it didn't seem to affect the rice farmers. They were able to flood their fields as necessary. Has the rice crop suffered, and why couldn't crawfish farmers irrigate their fields like the rice farmers did? Well, the rice farmers did suffer, and especially if you look at certain areas of the state, uh, many of the rice fields ran out of water. Okay. And so our rice crop will be down. We were, you know, we were lucky that, you know, we did fairly well with rice. What happened, most of the farmed crawfish are in rice fields. And after the second harvest of rice, when the ratoon crop, there simply wasn't enough water to reflood many of the fields. A lot of the wells literally ran dry or they started pumping salt water. So what happens when you're, when you're with rice or, and then with crawfish, when you start pumping salt water, you have to stop. Uh, the crawfish can tolerate the salt water, but the rice crop will not. And what happened, we probably have about 100,000 acres out of the 320,000 plus acres of, of, of land that we farm for crawfish, most of which is rice, that simply did not have enough water. What happened, the water table dropped to about 18 to 20 inches below the surface of the land. We saw huge cracks out there in the fields, and literally the crawfish died in the burrow. That's the issue. They just simply aren't there. And so it was a lack of water and a lack of available water uh, to, you know, to flood those fields at the appropriate time, and we lost those crawfish. So we did have you know, some issues with rice. We're very fortunate that in, in a lot of cases we had enough water, but in some areas we did not. The rice crop was affected, but not as bad as other crops that were affected. Overall, uh, crop losses from the drought directly, crop losses are about 1.7 billion dollars uh, and so rice wow. is a part of that mike let me excuse me commissioner strain a couple of headlines yeah. that i'm like i'm conf a little confused regarding crawfish uh -huh. worst season ever another headline yeah. crawfish season may not be as bad as initially feared <laughs> are we somewhere in the middle yeah. where are we yeah. Yeah. well uh we, we were you know, yesterday, a uh, one of the scientists from the LSU Ag Center, because they keep very good records, as about three weeks ago, the catch was about 9% of normal. Oh. And this week, we're at about 18, 18% of normal. Uh, they expect, and according to their predictions, the, the overall catch next week and the next few weeks will be about 20 to 25% of normal. Now, you have different areas of the state. So if you get the areas down by, you know, I-10 and I-12 and that more sandy soil, they were more negatively affected by the drought. Many of those ponds simply have very few crawfish. Some of the crawfish are coming in from the basin or in, in the different uh, swampy areas, you know, such as we have, you know, our diversion systems and that. They're, they're starting to do, and that's mostly the White River crawfish. Mm -hmm. Now, in the ponds, we're hoping that areas when you get to Bunky and Alexandria North, more of a red clay, there was a better availability of water and irrigation there. And those crawfish normally come in later in the season. So everyone is out testing right now. They are, you know, we saw a lot of people yesterday across the state fishing. And what the farmers are going to do, you know, there's a certain number of crawfish they have to catch per acre to justify the, the labor and the fuel to go out and fish for them. And when they hit that magic number where it's profitable, They'll be out there fishing. So really, you know, in about two weeks, we will really know what the availability is going to be. We're hoping that we're going to be able to salvage a season. Uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that hopefully we will have at least 40 to 50% of the normal catch. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not as, you know, not as concerned as, as you know, the scientists are that say we're only going to have 20% of the catch. Now, that being said, some of the catch will actually have to be held back to reseed those acres of crawfish. We normally have, again, over 300, more like 320,000 acres of farmed crawfish 
and many of those acres are going to have to be repopulated mm-hmm. as well. And with most of the uh, farm crawfish, you know, they reproduce in the late summer and fall, and they start growing in those winter months, and they are, we start harvesting around November and December, and we reach peak harvest, you know, in the warmer months. Crawfish like 86 degrees. Now, we have a cool snap coming uh, this weekend, which will slow down the development, you know, and that'll slow them down for about at least a week to 10 days, really, to recover from that cold snap. And, of course, they, they don't go into the traps for the bait. So when we get past that, you're, you're, you're kind of going to see where we're at. But I do think that we're going to have a shortened season. Hopefully they will come in in about two weeks. And, you know, they'll, you know the, war, the weather will be warm. And as Easter comes, the crawfish should be happy. And we can, you know, we can get some mud bugs. But do expect uh. that the price will be higher because, again, supply and demand and a smaller catch, which drives up the cost per pound. Agricultural Commissioner Mike Strain, we initial reports when this started becoming apparent that this season is going to be dismal, uh, also said it was going to affect the 2025 season. Do you see this carrying over and having some residual effect into next season as well? Yeah, that will depend on our ability to repopulate those ponds. We've got to get enough crawfish. Normally what happens is that the crawfish, you know, they'll fish them from the base and the other areas and restock the pond. With such a high demand, what's going to happen, every, every pound of crawfish will be precious for the market. And so there's going to be competition, you know, to, you know, crawfish to restock. Of course, we'll be doing that in the, in the, in the summer months. But it could fall into next season if we do not repopulate all those ponds. Because we're talking about a massive enterprise here. When you start talking about, you know, over 300,000 acres. And the other thing that we were going to see is what is the catch? What was the effect in the basin and in the spillways? Because a lot of those areas went dry as well. Now, we're hoping with all the rainwater we're getting that the White River crawfish, you know, coming in the basin, uh, those a lot of those crawfish will, you know, do fairly well with the water that we have coming. But we it will remain to be seen. We've got to restock those ponds. And then hopefully we're going to have a good growing season. A lot, of, a lot is going to hinge on the weather. You know, mm-hmm. the uh, El Nino is supposed to go away and La Nina come in. And I haven't seen any indication yet that that has happened. They say it's going to happen this month and get into a more normal, you know, a wetter and, you know, right. maybe warmer, but a wetter, a wetter p- pattern. Because we certainly, we certainly do not want a drought of any kind like we had, you know, last year. Because that was right. severe. And a record drought. Are any of the crawfish farmers, and I know this sounds silly because I don't know know the details, are any of them able to pivot to shrimping or crabbing or anything else? Is there no. that ability no, at all? Crawfish, no. Well, no. Generally speaking, a crawfish farmer is an aquaculturist. He's a yeah. farmer. So you have those rice fields, and sometimes they're predominantly crawfish ponds, but they're generally rice fields or other fields. And, you know, they're landed and, you know, they have all that equipment. So when you start talking about crabbing, you know, that's a whole that's yeah. a whole different uh, modality. You know, you've got to be out there like in Lake Pontchartrain, predominantly sure. around the coast. Most of our, our crawfish farmers are inland. They are not wild caught. The wild caught crawfish industry is generally about 6 percent oh. of the total. So 94 percent is farm raised okay. in ponds. So will there be help for these farmers that are going to have, I mean, they could only see maybe 25% of their crop. Will there, is there some federal yes, help we, for these folks? We are asking for federal help under the ELAP program. That's a federal USDA program. I've sent a letter to our congressional delegation as well as to Secretary Vilsack. Last week I was in Washington, D.C. on Capitol Hill uh, and, and asking that if there's any assistance possible. Now, normally the way that will work is once the season is over and the federal enumerators, Mm -hmm. you know, as you would call them, this time we call them bean counters, crawfish counters, will be out there looking to see to get the exact numbers and based on on parameters to see if we can get some assistance. We have gotten assistance in the past, uh, but we're also facing, you know, issues in our shrimping industry. Most of our shrimp boats have been docked. Uh. The shrimpers won't go out and shrimp because the price of shrimp, you know, were 50 cents on the dock. You can buy shrimp right now. Uh, at about between five and seven dollars a pound, crawfish are averaging nine to eleven dollars a pound right oh, now. Wow! Ag Commissioner Mike Strain, thanks for your time, sir. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Have a great weekend.
Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Come. Back with more McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. You know, my wife does a lot of work with the Humane Society of Northwest Louisiana. So I know where she'll be tonight. <laughs> um, actually, she did. She, yeah, she sent me a text. I think she is working tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, at, uh, yeah, anyway, they're having a kind of a fun thing tonight. This is really cool at the, uh, the Mudbugs game mm-hmm. at George's Pond. Pooches at the pond. Yeah. So, so, Dina won't be at the hockey game because mm-hmm. she's going to be at the actual shelter. Oh, okay. Helping out at the shelter this this evening. Uh, but yeah, you bring your dogs to George's Pond. This is it's I, a cool event. So much fun. People wait for this all year. And and uh, and you can. Uh, there's going to be all kinds of like dog merchandise. They've uh, Humane Society has posted some pictures. Uh, some of the Mudbugs players have gone by the Humane Society mm-hmm. in their jerseys, and that is so cool. And yes. so, uh, really, a great time tonight. Going to have dog vendors out there between six and seven. They'll be passing out all kind of swag. Dog races during the first intermission <laughs> on they're, the ice. Yes, they're going to have a dog parade <laughs> in the second intermission. So, if you want to bring your dog out down the ice and get part of the, get him part of the parade, they're going to have a jersey raffle. Um, little animals will be selling food uh, in the East Concession. I mean, it's just a very cool night. Put your doggy sweater on. Get out to the to the Hirsch for the Mudbugs game. I'm telling you, if I had to pick out a night that fans love the most, it's Pooches at the Pond. That's they love funny. this. Yeah. They really do. Just be careful of the yellow ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do they do when that? I mean, I guess they come clean it all up. I don't. I mean, I mean, you can't wipe it off. It does it freeze to the ice? Oh, okay. I didn't. I don't know about that. I didn't know how that worked. But it's a fun no, night. It's the other. It's the other that you have to kind of get. Make sure you get cleaned up. Oh yeah, they can scoop all that up. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> use That's, use run the zamboni over it. I hear they call that a code brown. <laughs> Code brown on the ice. I don't know, but it's a fun night, and you'll see all kind of. I wish mine would cooperate, but he's not going to. He doesn't play well with others. Mine, sometimes he see, does, sometimes no. Mine doesn't either. Uh, I, I took her walking last yesterday, and I've got the the retractable leash, you mm-hmm. know, because otherwise she pulls me so badly. I had stopped, and I was adjusting my music on my on my phone in my yeah. little ear AirPods. And I didn't see a bicyclist coming up behind me. Well, she did. Oh no! And she and this was this was like a serious dude with the oh, with the little tight suit and no. the helmet, you know, on the on the on the expensive bike. Oh. And she jumps out into the street and hits the bike. I oh, hear a no. Burr. Well, it it she got tangled up in the spokes with her little snout. Oh. And I think it kind of humbled her a little bit. I was like, okay, see, that's what you get. Did he crash the bike? No, 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 no. Oh, he, I was going to say, scared thank him, God. But no, yeah. it didn't. Uh, he, he, he kept going. Ooh. But I, I turned around and I thought she was drooling. There's a little bit of blood. Oh, said, my goodness. Okay, there. Now, did you learn your lesson? Wow. Yeah. He wasn't doing anything to you, mm. but that's why I can't bring her to pooches on yes, the pond. Ex- She's exactly. not. She's not real friendly. Right. But, right. Uh, but it, it is a fun event tonight at uh, at Hirsch Coliseum. Uh, Michael McCarty, one hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Shreveport Fire Chief Clarence Reese joining us to talk about crawfish prices and availability. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the fire chief. Oh, you got He's- me on- 
Jackson's daddy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Jackson's dad, Clarence Reese Jr. Uh, Chief, we had a huge fire last night. 17 units at Superior Grill on Line Avenue. Uh, it seems to have been an electrical fire. How much damage? Did we get it under control? Like, are they going to be back open? Absolutely. So the Troop uh, Firefighters did an excellent job making sure they got there uh, quickly. Uh, it was concentrated really to the kitchen area or above the kitchen area. The good thing, it was around the time that they would normally be closing. So uh, Superior staff did an excellent job on uh, evacuating everyone out of the building. Uh, it took a little bit about uh, a little bit over 20 minutes to put that fire under control. Uh, I have not talked to the investigators today, so the electrical part is kind of something new to me. Uh, they are, but they are actively investigating uh, that fire. Vent related, could that possibly be something too, or no? Or do we know? It very well could be. Uh, those investigators will look at all of those, especially with it being a commercial building, kitchen application, we're looking at pulling records uh, on that building. So uh, the possibilities, I hate to say are endless right now, but we really don't know. Any idea on the, the extent of the damage? Did it go through the roof? It looked like it was a pretty good blaze at one point. It was. It did go through the roof. Uh, the extent of damage, of course, there's going to be a lot of water and smoke damage throughout the entire building. Uh, but especially in that kitchen area, it's going to be heavy fire damage uh, in that area. So they are expecting and we are expecting also it's going to be quite a while before they reopen. Uh, there were some people saying they could maybe quickly, but y'all have to inspect it. I guess the um, state has to inspect it before they can reopen. They've got health inspections that they have to go through. So so it's going to be a minute. Oh, uh, That's correct. Of course, we work through the state fire marshal's office, our investigators. So we're handling that on our end. Of course, they have their insurance they have to go through. And you're exactly correct. Health, uh, the health board has to come in. Uh, so before it's reopened, there are a lot of inspections that need to take place. What happens, Chief Clarence Reese, Fire Chief Clarence Reese, when you guys get a call of uh, one of the legendary restaurants in our town is on fire? I mean, y'all have to just really be like, holy crud. And it's it's um, right. kind so, of stunning. Of course, As opposed yeah, of to if another restaurant, they don't like, yeah, well, we yeah. don't care. <laughs> we'll let that we'll one get burn. There. You hush we're going to finish our burger here. <laughs> then we're going to head that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, we, we support all restaurants in the city. Of course, you know, when we don't feel like cooking at the station a lot of times, uh, we have to depend on these restaurants in order for for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, uh, And then, of course, when we get off, uh, we're a big family, so we go to a lot of these restaurants as groups and, uh, and you know, partake in the festivities of these restaurants. But we treat everything aggressively, uh, no matter the smallest house, biggest house, largest restaurant, or the biggest restaurant. Triple Fire Department uh, firefighters are very aggressive, and we're gonna, we, the main thing is to make sure that we're not just leaving a slab. Uh, we, we, want, we try to save as much as possible. With what y'all had at the GM plant earlier this week, this, there have been others. It's been a rough week in your department. We can't thank you guys enough for all you do. That The GM thing was a monster fire. Absolutely. We were just assisting Greenwood uh, Fire Department, Fire Kettle Fire District 3. Uh, you know, anytime we have more personnel, some uh, uh, any type of equipment that they may need, they do the same thing for us. We don't own tankers, and anytime we call on any one of the fire districts, they help us. So our firefighters, uh, thing is, we, I mean, we're not fully staffed, uh, but anytime that we can help anyone, uh, we're, we're trying our best because we know we're going to need the help one day also. So for those that might not have heard about that fire, what had what happened out there? Uh, that was going to be a cooling tower uh, that was on fire. It was They were doing some work on the cooling tower, so it was not operational. They were preparing for it to be, uh, and the uh, it was uh, I think there was a welder, and that's, that's pretty much all we have right now. That is being investigated also, but that is a Cattle Fire District 3. Uh, we were just there to assist, so a lot of those would have to be answered by uh, Chief Ernest Mitchell. It was. It really was amazing that y'all kept that from spreading. I mean, that looked like a, a fire that could have really gotten crazy. And you guys and, and all of the Fire District 3, et cetera, did an amazing job out there. Absolutely. We understand the economic impact of that GM plant. Uh, so, it, you know, of course, we need to save as much of it uh, as possible. We never know who, who may be looking at coming uh, to Shreveport or Greenwood. No one hurt in either of those fires. Thank God everybody's okay and um, repairs can be made. Absolutely, yes, ma'am. Shreveport Fire Chief Clarence Reese Jr., thank you for uh, jumping on the line, talking with us such short notice. We appreciate you, sir. 
Without a problem. Y'all have a great morning. Mm-hmm. You too. 1017 FM 710 Keel. Coming up here at 840, our state rep Danny McCormick going to be joining us talking about his proposal to eliminate sales tax on groceries. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM 710 Keel. Back to the show with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. What a one seven FM seven ten keel. Um, Aaron, I I know I saw this. I saw this post about the official White House. Was it X? Their X account. Facebook, I think it was Facebook. Yeah, it's the white. This the blue check Facebook account, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. from the White House. <sighs> read read what they tweeted. What mm-hmm. they what they posted. Yeah. With it, a picture is, of our Speaker of the House. It is the White House blue check page. Happy Valentine's Day, Speaker Johnson. On the right is a picture of Mike Johnson. On the left, it says this. Roses are red. Violets are blue. The border deal was crushed because of you. Holy cow. We have an eighth grader in charge of posting on Facebook for the White House. That is the White House official page, and you're going to post this kind of baloney on your page. It's, I don't care if you were... If this is, is Ronald Reagan as president. This is not appropriate. This is not appropriate to stoop this low. No. How disappointing is this? If you are a supporter of Joe Biden, and I know Joe Biden himself didn't do this. Some of his minions thought this was going to be funny and cute. It's not. Aaron, but if you're a supporter of Joe Biden, you think this is hilarious. Oh, you love every minute of it. Yeah, yeah, which explains a lot. How low have you stooped? How low are you going to go? Right. This is just absolutely, I, and I'm, I'm you know, Mike Johnson, rise above it. Please don't, you know, don't even oh, no, no, give no. it a he mention. This is this this was yeah, he's not no, he did not <laughs> I I saw a story on this and and there was some others, but um yeah, this this is embarrassing, Aaron. Our our federal government and this is what they're this is what they're doing. Why don't you put messages on your White House Facebook page and your Twitter or X account? about how people can fight inflation, how they can get government help for things, how we can do better for ourselves. Why don't you do things that are productive? Why are you doing things like this that are just bashing? But, but that shows exactly oh. who they are and, and, what, and what we have to deal with, the mentality mm. of, of somebody in an official federal government position, and that's what they're going to post. Somebody actually... Put this up, and then hit the post button. Oh yeah, thinking well, they this had was to a spend time good idea. On it. They had to spend oh, time yeah. on it. It's a nice, pretty little graphic. My, uh, yeah, the the official portrait of Mike Johnson. Mm-hmm. We paid for this. Uh, we exactly. paid somebody's check for spending time posting that. I, I, I just, I, I just, I have no words. Which is mind-boggling. It's insulting. It's offensive to me mm. that that's what our federal government is is spending their time doing. Somebody got paid by the White House to do this. You've got somebody in social media of the world that posts this dribble. Uh, I don't even. I don't even have any more and words first of all, for the it. The mentality of it is is yeah. insulting. You gave up something for Lent. You, I'm stumbling bad, <laughs> bad. And when and when things like this come up, I break my Lenten promise. <laughs> yes, because I've given up swearing. Okay, I didn't know if you wanted to go. I didn't want to. And I didn't want to yes. go, but you you did. You, you and and sometimes I'm struggling, and I'm realizing how bad a potty mouth I have sometimes. <laughs> And a one will just <laughs> Ruben, is it a surprise to you? <laughs> <laughs> hey there, no, Ruben. That's a no for me. <laughs> it just flows out of my mouth sometimes. I'm like, oh, he doesn't give a and I'm ha- but you know what is funny? Not next Saturday, not not tomorrow, but next Saturday we have a um a bunko. And I have one of my bunko gals 
who is my designated swearer. <laughs> so when we're Jeez. at the table and I roll something I don't like keys. when I you normally gave her would, your keys. Yes. When I normally would spew something, I'll go, golly, Jen, she'll go blah, 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 <laughs> with the real words. It is the best. It, it, now, now it's me and her talking together. She knows exactly when I'm going to curse. She's like my other half when we're playing Bunko. She knows exactly when I'm going to say something foul and she jumps in. And she might even bring me a shirt that says, you blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, But it is fun. I'm tr- I'm, I've already, I think the day after Lent, didn't I break it the day after? Oh, it was like the next day because you looked up at me and went, I can't believe I just said Yeah, it was, yeah. it was. It was Ash Wednesday, wasn't it? Yeah. When I spewed. Right. I'm trying. I'm, I'm really trying, but it, it's hard. But you can't, you can't help yourself unless you recognize you have a problem. Yes. And you're taking steps. So good I'm, for you. I'm working on it. It's da- tough. A damn good job. <laughs> Hush up, you dirty boo. <laughs> State Rep Danny McCormick will be joining us coming up talking about his proposition to uh, eliminate sales tax on groceries. We'll talk with him about that after the news. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keel. Now more breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. State Rep. Danny McCormick joining us on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline just after the break talking about his proposition to eliminate sales tax on grocery purchases. Find out what that's about next. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Kiel.com. Stories of the Day with Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. On the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, State Rep. Danny McCormick joining us. Uh, good morning, Danny. Thanks for talking with us this morning. Good morning. How y'all doing today, guys? Wonderful. Happy Friday to you. You've got a uh, an interesting proposition now before the legislature to eliminate sales tax on groceries. How did this come about and where are we on this? Well, you know, basically I was just looking for something that we uh, could be able to help the the middle class people with their grocery bills. You know, I have a lot of young people in my life and we're always talking about how high uh, groceries are with this inflation. And uh, right now in Louisiana, there's no state sales tax on groceries. And, and my bill would eliminate any local sale tax, sales tax on groceries. You know, we're, we're talking uh, mainly just the ingredients for the food, just the basic necessities to, to feed your family at home. That, you know, this doesn't have anything to do with prepared foods like you may uh, buy at a restaurant, but uh, that's the idea behind it. Uh, Mayor Arsenault was in studio with us in the 7 o'clock hour, and he said this will cause a problem. I mean, sales tax is now a bigger bigger part of his budget, and eliminating a part of that would cause a problem. Have you talked to local um, municipalities about about what this would do to them? Uh, no, no, I haven't. You know, my my concern is with the working class people. I know that uh, I don't know about the mayor personally. I know a lot of the local uh, taxing agencies uh, work with the Caddo Bozier Port. They're forgiving uh, tens of millions, if not more, of of uh, property taxes a year to these uh, giant corporations. And I think it's time that uh, they eliminated those exemptions uh, for these multi-million dollar companies. And uh, we gave a break to the working class people. That's where my concern is. Is there been any uh, uh, plans about replacing that revenue from other sources? Um, not to my knowledge. Like I said, there's uh, my ideas would do away with uh, tax exemptions on the uh, uh, large corporations, but that would the that other agencies in in the area would have to make those decisions. Those are decisions are pretty much out of my hand. You you know you'll probably face a lot of opposition to this from the municipal groups. Um, what are you hearing? What's your feedback on it so far? Oh well, you know my my. My ties into the working class and the small business owners are where my ties are. Those are the people that elected me, and they're ecstatic about it. Uh, they think it's time that we did something for the Louisiana citizens and uh, and, uh, and 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 helped them out. And that's that's what this for. I mean, we're talking about the basic food for survival that is being taxed. And as y'all very well know, Louisiana has the highest sales tax in the nation. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, I, I think this break is something that the uh, working class people in Louisiana really need at this point. What the mayor, the mayor made a point today that was interesting, Danny. He said, you know, many years ago, conservatives came forward and said, you know, when, when much of the tax burden was, was property tax and conservatives came forward and said, look, we're bearing the brunt of these taxes. And so let's shift some of it from property to a sales tax. And now it's shifted where governments are more dependent on the sales tax. And he said the pendulum has swung the other way. And now taking away some of that would be a would be a difficult for the cities and parishes. I, I don't know what conservatives he was particularly talking about. Uh, like you know, you know, we should you should ask the mayor about the tens of millions of dollars worth of property tax that are being lost in the area from the exemption on the Cattle Bossier Port. I mean. The Cattle Bossier Port it, it collects sales, it, it collects property taxes. The, these multi-million-dollar businesses pay little to no property taxes. That's his revenue right there. That's corporate welfare. That's crony capitalism. That's what we need to end in the area and give and just give a break to the working class people. Can we shift gears and talk about your uh, concealed carry measure? You have pushed it several times before. You've said you're going to do it again, but I got a message this morning that maybe some, another lawmaker may be assisting you with that. Are you putting that bill forward or is someone else doing it this time? Uh, there's actually uh, two of the bills being filed, Aaron. Uh, one is uh, by myself, HB 12, is filed on the House. Uh, uh, Blake Miguez, my colleague on, in the Senate, he's filing one in the Senate. Uh, both of them are good bills. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be happy with whichever one uh, moves across the line. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Governor Landry put this call uh, in, into the special session, so he's wanting this constitutional carry bill, and I'm ecstatic about it. You've been pretty hopeful. You told us the last time we spoke when you first talked about it this year that uh, this is the year it's going to pass. I mean, you don't expect any trouble at all, right? No, you know, there may be some, uh, you know, there's always a battle to, you know, keep it what I would call true constitutional carry. Uh, you know, that battle I'm sure will take place and, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm ready for that battle, but yes, I feel confident that we're going to get constitutional carry in the next, I would say week and a half uh, to two weeks. Danny McCormick on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Danny, what's the difference between your bill and uh, Miguez's bill? There's almost uh, there's just a microscopic difference. It's, it's very little, uh, uh, not not really enough uh, difference uh, to, to mean anything. So they're they're very similar in nature. So why are they? Why do we need two of them? It's not unusual to uh, have two bills. I, I guess you would call them companion bills. It's actually very, uh, um, you know, very common to for one to come from one side of the aisle to the other side of the aisle. Could both be approved, or would they just narrow down to one? Uh, no, at some point, we'd probably merge them into one. Uh, you know, I believe the law is the, the last one, if both of them passed, the last one to pass would be the uh, the bill that would go into law. But, uh, you know, I feel confident at some point in the process, uh, they'll be merged into one bill. Danny McCormick, our last minute here. If this passes, A, when does it go into effect? And then B, when can, when and where can I carry my gun? Uh, that you're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to wait till the bill passes before uh, we know where you can carry your gun. So that's a little early. And hopefully uh, when Jeff Ledry signs it into law here in a couple of weeks is, is when it'll take place. But uh, we'll have to see that outcome too after uh, after the session's over with. So it's a, as quickly as a couple of weeks then? It, it's a possibility with a special session, yes. Wow, that's interesting. State Rep. Danny McCormick from Oil City. Thanks for your time, sir. You bet. Mm -hmm. Appreciate y'all guys. Have a great day. Thank you. You too, sir. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Back from Mike and McCarty on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. You see what happens? You see what happens? What did I do? I get diagnosed diabetic. Yeah. And sales of chocolate chip ice cream. Plummet. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Plummet. What's that? Used to be like the number one ice cream beyond just like chocolate and vanilla. Chocolate chip was the the guy. For for me, it's mint chocolate chip. Ah, okay. I, it's it, yeah. Oh, blue milk. Shut up. Some stores are bumping chocolate chip out of their coolers, taking them off the shelves because it's not selling. Yep. 
it's an old timer's ice cream, I guess. And people want the new <laughs> cookies and cream is now the new favorite ice cream. It's vanilla chocolate chip ice cream, which was once a hallmark of the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess people's tastes have kind of changed. Uh, wow. It's dropped twenty two percent in sales. Holy from crud! Ch- from twenty eighteen to twenty twenty two. Are they really going to pull it from store shelves? Well, I mean, it's it's not like people are you know are are rushing to buy it. It doesn't say mint chocolate chip. I wonder if that's affected as well. I think it's just the vanilla chocolate chip. The vanilla chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. When we were, <laughs> Aaron, when we were growing up, my grandmother. She'd shop at the BX. Yeah. And she'd come home with these. Do you remember those gallon tubs? Tubs. Yes. Or two gallon, whatever they were, mm-hmm. of the, the swirl. Yes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Vanilla swirl mm-hmm. ice cream. Probably today that would be the nastiest stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But at the time. Oh, my gosh, that was the best ice cream ever. My mom used to buy <laughs> Those, the three-flavored. It had strawberry, vanilla, and chocolate yes, in the tub. Yes. And and I don't like chocolate. The, so the my brothers would ice dig, cream. Yeah, my brothers would dig out the chocolate, <laughs> and I would dig out all the strawberry. Oh, you liked the strawberry. Yes, yeah. I was the stra- nobody else liked the strawberry. I was right. like, good, I get a whole third of this. This is awesome. But we, my parents, I don't know if I've told you, my parents locked the freezer. Our freezer was was behind a lock. Seriously, seriously, because that's where my how mom. How did they do that? How did well, they how had do a key? You lock? It was a it was a key freezer, and so it came with a lock on it. Yeah, really, and I've never key, heard of such. Here's the thing, other in, than in a fire station. Here's yeah, here's the thing in my family, it was gold. If you found the key, oh well, I bet. If you sure. found the key, you were the holder of the key, and until mom knew it was missing from her hiding space. You, because my mom froze our Snickers bars. Well, if you were course, smart, you would put it back in the hiding space. Well, you'd you, go get the key, get what you wanted, then put it back. Well, that's what you tried to do, but then mom would figure out somebody had found it because she would see the strawberry ice cream disappearing, <laughs> and she would go, "Ooh, one of these rascals has found my key." So she'd change the place. She put it higher. She put, put it in a, her room. She put a little magic marker mark on the on the <laughs> container and go, oh, look, it's below the mark. And and we always debated, do we tell a sibling that we found the key? Or do we keep it from everybody and just keep... And I was the one who would keep it from everybody. If one of my brothers found the key, they'd be like, key, I got the key. <laughs> yeah, the boys aren't the smartest. No, they're not the smartest. <laughs> I'll never forget it. Mm. So if you want if you want some vanilla chocolate chip ice cream, you better yeah. get some while you can. Yeah, go buy it like you were buying toilet paper a couple years ago, I guess. <laughs> Start hoarding. Please don't do that. <laughs> Have a great weekend. 1017 FM 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty.